We're going to uh, continue now with our regular devotional theme for this morning. We continue to think about making and growing disciples, and this morning the theme is doing that in our churches, and that is the task of God's shepherds. And so I simply want to read uh, two extremely well-known verses to you from 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 and 4, 2. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. I've been struck uh, recently by how many books are being written on burnout in ministry. And they're being written because there's a market for them. And there's a market for them because so many people in ministry find that they are overwhelmed by pressures and deadlines and unrealistic expectations and unmet expectations and constant busyness and demand. And sometimes in ministry, uh, you have it, I have it, we just feel this is too much. Uh, how on earth can we do any more? And it's not just pastors who feel that, but elders who are also pastors, who are also shepherds of the flock. Um, their church work comes often in addition to maybe 50 hours in some other profession, and they feel exactly the same pressure and demand and stress. The fact is all of us have exactly the same amount of time to work with. We have precisely 168 hours every week. And if you think of that as a pie, you've got to slice up the pie. And in my case, about a third of my pie goes to bed. Uh, about another third of my pie is done just in doing life. Over a third of the pie, actually. I eat, sleep, shower, walk, exercise, go to the gym catch up with friends, do stuff around the house, um, time with the family, date my wife. I had a, I had a date with my wife just, just the other year. Uh, <laughs> so by the time you've done all that as well as gone to bed, there's, uh, there's less than a third of the pie for ministry. And, and I tend to think we have about a 50-hour pie to slice up if we're in full-time ministry. And it's hard to slice up those 50 hours, isn't it? By the time you've written a sermon or two, uh, prepared a Bible study, attended to emails and administration and read your synodical papers. Takes an hour or two. Uh, probably some pastoral issues going on. Uh, it only takes a marriage breakup, some of a mental health problem, a, a conflict in the church, a church discipline case. And, and your pie is, um, is getting eaten up very, very quickly. In no time, 50 hours disappears. And so we're tempted to steal from other parts of the pie. We steal from sleep. We steal from exercise. We steal from time with our wife or family. Not a good idea to build your ministry on theft. 
exactly the same issue for elders. Uh, you might work 50 hours in, in a real job and then uh, have to do church work in addition to that. And again, often elders are stealing as well. So how, as shepherds of the flock, do we make and grow disciples? It could be that the theme tune of these devotions this week is just one more burden, one more slice that comes out of the pie. How on earth do you do it? When on earth do you fit it in? And I think we have to then take a leaf out of Elijah's book and a leaf out of Jesus' book and a leaf out of Paul's book and a leaf out of Timothy's book because each of these people employed a strategy that actually works. This strategy is not on top of the rest of your work. I think this strategy is the heart of your work. And after this, you do some other stuff as well. And the strategy is the two-part strategy that Paul taught Timothy in these two verses that we've read. It's very basic. And it's very important. The first part of the strategy in 2 Timothy 2.2 is training. The strategy of training. The principle is this. uh, Narrow the investment to multiply the impact. Very simple, simple strategy. Narrow the investment to multiply the impact. Last uh, year, end of last year, I sat down with Superwoman and had a chat. Um, I catch up with Superwoman every so often. That's, that's what we call the lady from the superannuation fund uh, who comes to the RDC. And uh, about every six months, I talk with Superwoman and, and uh, she goes over how my superannuation fund is going, um, what's, what's been returning well, what hasn't, how the balance is, uh, what, it, what would be strategic places to have investment and how the companies have been performing. Because it's, it's obvious that if I want that fund to perform well, then you need to think strategically and regularly about where you're investing. And what I've noticed is that Superwoman does not tell me to put, basically, you know, put a dollar on each company on the stock market. Just cover all bases, Murray. That is not what she says. She helps me think through very strategically where to invest. And that's exactly what we need to do in ministry as well. We need to think very strategically about where to invest. And Paul tells Timothy, chapter 2, verse 2, invest in reliable men. The kind of reliable men to whom you'll entrust the gospel message that Paul had entrusted to him so that they in turn will entrust it to others. Four generations of leaders in that one verse. Let's say you have a church of 150 people and you try to invest in everyone. It's like putting a dollar on each company in the stock market. Uh, Everyone's going to get a very, very little slice of your pie. Some people are going to be happy about that. And that is a problem. Some people are going to be unhappy about that. And that is a problem. But if you want to slice up your pie strategically, 
You don't actually try to invest in everyone. You invest in a few. You narrow the investment to multiply the impact. And if you train a few people in such a way that they can train a few people, then what is happening is pie multiplication, which is absolutely fantastic. You are making new pies. We're not just slicing up our pie, we're making new pies. If you want to slice up your pie strategically, find a few people to invest. What does that mean? It means you spend time with them. You encourage them. You read the Bible with them. You pray with them. You read books together, good books together. You talk about stuff. You talk about ministry. You talk about how they're going. You talk about Jesus and the gospel and their walk with the Lord. You do ministry together. You train them to do ministry. You train them how to lead a Bible study. You train them how to give a devotion. You might train them how to preach a message. You train them how to share their faith. You take them with you as you're sharing their faith. You help them learn how to disciple someone else. And as you help them learn to do all that stuff, you help them learn how to do that for someone else as well. That's what investing in them means. And if you, if you mentor, invest, train, disciple, use whatever word you like, if you uh, uh, do that for just two people a week and you meet with them monthly, you can be training eight people this year. And if those eight people are being equipped to invest into the lives of others, you have a great little pie factory going on. Pie multiplication. And I think the shepherds of the flock are called to do this. All the shepherds, the, the pastors and the elders together. If the elders don't know how to do this, then they are the first ones that you train. <laughs> if you don't know how to do this, then you're the first person to get a trainer to help you learn how to do it because it's what we're called to do in gospel ministry. If you're a busy elder uh, working a, another job, you're not going to invest in as many people, but find, find one person to invest in and train and encourage and pray with and disciple and, and make sure you find someone who will then be able to do that for someone else in a year or so. That's the first strategy. Training. Narrow the investment to multiply the impact. But you might say, that seems unfair. Aren't we called to be shepherds of the whole flock? Uh, isn't it wrong for a pastor to narrow the investment to a few? What about the rest of the flock? And that's when we come then to the other thing that Elijah did and that Jesus did and that Paul did and that Timothy did and that Paul is teaching Timothy to do here. That's why I want to go to 2 Timothy 4.2 as well as 2 Timothy 2.2. The second strategy is the strategy of preaching. The first thing you do is training. The second thing you do is preaching. When you preach, you are not just explaining the Bible. I hope you are explaining the Bible, but you're not just explaining the Bible. When you preach, you are not just proclaiming truth. You better be proclaiming truth, but that's, you're not just proclaiming truth. When you preach, you are not merely delivering a sermon. 
No, when you preach, what, what are you doing? You're discipling men and women and children. You're making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're maturing disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're multiplying disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says to Timothy, Tim, preach the word. And look at how he's do it, to do it. He's to correct, rebuke, and encourage. This is NIV 84, is authorised. Um, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. He's to, to disciple them as he teaches the word. He's be, to be sowing that word into their life, correcting stuff, um, encouraging stuff, building them up, training them, equipping them. And in verse 5 of that same passage, chapter 4, he says, and do the work of an evangelist, because as Timothy preaches, he's to be preaching the gospel, making disciples, and then correcting, rebuking, encouraging, maturing, and multiplying disciples. As we preach, we're to be training people. Face it, most of your people don't turn up to the training events you put on, do they? Why don't they turn up to the training events? Because their pie is maxed out as well. And they don't know how to cut out another slice of pie for that extra evening that you say is so important for them to be at. What do you do? You put on training events that no one comes to, you wring your hands, you sweat, you complain to your wife, and then you realise, I can train them on Sunday. <laughs> I'll train them when they're all there. I'll train them as I preach the word, because that's exactly what the preaching of the word is meant to be doing. Think how brilliantly Jesus did that in the Sermon on the Mount. It's full of training. It's full of training on how to live as a disciple, how to obey the Lord, how to be salt and light in the world. Full of training on how to pray and how to give and how to love and how to serve and how to use your money and how not to worry and how to make right choices. The whole way through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is training disciples. As he preaches that sermon, he corrects, he rebukes, he encourages with great patience and careful instruction. And he does the work of an evangelist, doesn't he? And he sets before them very clearly at the end two ways to live, because he got the track from the Anglicans, I think. Uh, and, and he says before them, you know, two kinds of fruit and two kinds of houses you can build. Jesus is training as he preaches. His sermon is brilliantly designed to make, mature, and multiply disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our sermons need to do the same. As we preach, that's what we should be doing. And in fact, the whole preaching ministry of a church should set the pace for the church in terms of disciple making. Our preaching on a Sunday when, when the whole flock is together as we shepherd the flock, that, that shapes what the church is all about. 
And if our preaching is making and multiplying, maturing disciples of Jesus, that, that sets the tone, it sets the agenda, it shapes the language, it creates the culture of a church that says we're about making disciples. And elders are to oversee the preaching ministry of the church, aren't they? Elders are to oversee that the flock is being fed, that the flock is being trained and discipled. And when the elders come together, you ought to be wrestling with, are we doing this well? Is the preaching of this ministry really making, maturing and multiplying disciples? Is it growing disciples? Is the preaching ministry correcting, rebuking, encouraging? Is it with great patience? Is it with careful teaching? Is, is the preacher doing the work of an evangelist? Are we seeing the saints grow? That's what we ought to be wrestling with in a session meeting. And perhaps the elders should correct, rebuke and encourage their pastor with great patience and careful instruction to ensure that this is what's happening week by week. And some of those elders could be trained to do it as well. So that one of the things that we're doing as pastors is we're discipling our elders to be preachers of the word. So that we're not just doing all the ministry, but we're multiplying ministry. So here are the two most potent strategies I know of for making and growing disciples in the church as shepherds and pastors. Training, 2 Timothy 2.2, narrow the investment to, to maximise the impact. And preaching, preaching that disciples people. 2 Timothy 4.2, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. It's not rocket science, is it? It's pie making. Aussies love their uh, pies, they, they, uh, they love their meat pies. In fact, there are um, 270 million pies consumed in Australia every year. Uh, most, most of those pies, unfortunately, are made in factories and they're sold frozen. But the best pies are handmade and fresh. And the best disciple-making is the same. The best disciple-making is as we sit down with individuals and we talk with them about Jesus and the gospel and we equip them and train them and encourage them. And then as we preach the word freshly to God's people week by week to do exactly the same for all of them at once. I've used the analogy of pies a bit this morning, so let me finish this way. What? What kind of pie is it? If we, if we think now of disciple-making as a pie, what kind of pie is it? It's not a meat pie, is it? It's not bacon and egg. It's not apple pie. It's not pie in the sky when you die. It's gospel pie. It's the best kind of pie you can buy. Gospel pie. It's pie full of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for us and what he's doing in this world how he came to save and change and renew and restore and revive 
we're sowing that into people's lives, we're feeding them that tie, that they might be encouraged and go out and make other disciples. I just want to finish with a, um, a, a short passage I found in, in uh, Jeff Vanderstelt's book, Gospel Fluency. Because if, you see, if this is, if what we're doing is pie multiplication and the kind of pies we want to multiply are gospel pies, at the end of the day, the thing we've got to be talking about as we preach and as we disciple people, the thing we've got to be talking about is Jesus. So I was really taken by this little anecdote in his book because he describes how a young woman came to his church uh, for a summer internship. She'd been placed for a ministry internship in the church and so she spent a summer with them and at the end of the summer one of the other leaders of the church um, asked her uh, to, to give testimony to what had been different in her internship at that church from what she had expected and this is what she said she said well this, this might sound a little strange but the thing that most surprised me was how much you all talk about Jesus I mean I know we believe in Jesus and this is supposed to be all about Jesus, but you guys talk about him all the time. Every day, every meeting, every situation, you're always talking about Jesus. She said, at first I thought you were strange. Then I started to think maybe something was wrong with me, that I didn't really know and love Jesus. The church I came from talks about Jesus here and there, especially when we have an evangelistic Sunday. However, most of the teaching is about us about what we should do and how we need to change. We might hear three key ideas on how to better manage our time or five principles for engaging in service, but we don't hear Jesus preached every week through every Bible text, and we certainly don't talk about Jesus whenever we meet together. And then she said, to be honest, while I was with you all, I began to wonder if I was even saved. And, well, I'm not sure how to say this, but I think I finally came to really know and love Jesus with you this summer. It was just impossible to get away from hearing how great Jesus is with you all. That's, that's the kind of pie I want to be making. The kind of pie you want to be making, isn't it? Lots of intentional one-to-one -one relationships where it's about Jesus. And lots of preaching where you train to disciple your congregation because it's all about Jesus. And I hope that CRCA churches become some of the best known pie outlets in the country for the wonderful way in which they make and mature and multiply disciples. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that you call us to follow you and to make other followers of you. And you've taught us how to do that. You've shown us how strategic it is to spend time with other individuals. And you've shown us how, shown us how strategic and powerful it is to preach your word. And so we pray, Father, that in our churches and as elders and pastors as shepherds of the flock we pray that you would help us 
to slice up our pie in such a way that that is the stuff that we're really about. Help us not to be distracted by a thousand other things. Help us to make the most important thing the main thing. Please, Father, give us those people, those faithful, reliable people that we can invest in who will then invest in others. And, oh, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, please take our feeble preaching and use it powerfully to make and mature disciples of Jesus. We pray that you would use us in these ways so that many, many more people might come to know you and talk about you so that our churches would be places that constantly talk about Jesus Christ. And we pray that this would be to your great glory. Amen.